we're learning more this morning about the mysterious slaughter of one item of interest found turned into multiple families that were not able to find her. August 24th, the investigation began. They, they've ruled out an animal attack. Eventually, I'm going to bring my daughter home. A crime spree 40 years long. Welcome to Commonwealth Chaos. I'm Jules. And I'm Olive. And my rights were taken away, so we're going to talk about aliens. I am so angry and sad, and I cannot do another episode about a murder or violence against women or a missing kid right now, because... You know, compacted traumas. I kind of just want to start setting shit on fire. I'm not going to, but I, I really want to. Listen, I had a whole meltdown about how bad I wanted to burn the whole world down yesterday. I've had several come-aparts in the last few weeks, but... It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right, Please, so... Please, 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 for the love of all things good and holy, email your senators, call them, leave them voicemails, harass those men. Please harass them. Please. I have emailed Andy Bashir so many times. Well, Andy I know, I, I know, I know. It is a plea for help. That is fair. I'm emailing him. And like a please, your constituents are fucking scared. Yeah. Way. So. We already know you get it. Now do something. Yes. Yeah. Something can be done, right? Yeah. Something. Does the governor have power like that? The governor, he, he has executive, like executive power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. He could look straight up. He, he could, could put do an, an executive emergency, order. He could do an emergency executive order that preserves our rights until we can actually do a real vote. I know that the ALCU. ACLU? Uh, ACLU, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Letters. <laughs> but uh, Letters I know right. that they, uh, I know that they have been active in Kentucky and, um, like, we do have, like, temporary protection right now, but, like, cool. it's not... It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we have temporary protection, but not if you just want an abortion. It's like, if it's a medical procedure, if it's an ectopic pregnancy or something like that, then, like, there's not going to be any kind of doctor-lawyer hang-ups. But, like, if you're in a situation where, like, you need an abortion for other reasons... Or because you just fucking want one? Yeah. One of those reasons being you just fucking want one. But, like, uh, you really still don't have protected access. Great. Love it. And your doctor can refuse to administer any kind of, like, form of abortion. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We love that Even if it'll save your life? Even if it'll save your life. It's still doctor discretion? Yep. Fuck the Hippocratic then, I guess. Exactly. Because, like, uh, technically, like, the doctor can refuse to perform it on the basis of religious freedom now. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, In case you're not aware, if you're not pro-choice... We don't want you as a listener. Yeah, I like, don't care. I sorry. Yeah, like you can be mad, but like I won't be. Yeah, so <laughs> you're not welcome here. Um, if I knew who you were, I'd block you. Honestly, yeah. All right. So today we're talking about aliens. Um, so I'm talking about a case um from 1948, actually. So this occurrence um was on the afternoon of january 7th 1948 oh it was cold too yeah it was cold um cloudy with a little bit of breakthrough sunshine um so there is this object spotted all throughout western 
and central Kentucky and even as far as like southern Ohio. Okay, so there's like a bunch of people who are seeing this in yeah. multiple individual accounts. Yeah, it's this not like isn't one like person. a one-off. Okay. Absolutely. So this thing is circular and westbound um, and it's going super fast, which once pilots get up the, in the air, they recognize how fast it is. Right. But from the ground, it appears completely motionless. Okay. Which is really interesting to me. Right. And I think it has something to do with altitude, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. I think it's just really high up. Maybe yeah. it has something to do with it. I don't know. Um, so it is seen at Air Force bases in southern Ohio. It's seen above Fort Knox, which we'll talk about in a second. Maysfield, Kentucky. Irvington, Kentucky. Even as far as Owensboro. Damn. Which is 240 miles away. Yeah. Um, from the, the Fort Knox sighting. So... Kentucky Highway Patrol, which is, like, a precursor to KSP, gets in contact with air traffic control at the Goodman Army Airfield, which is within Fort Knox. Right. Um, So, air traffic control dispatches out for four planes, and about 20 minutes later, four P-51... Four planes? Listen, okay, so I know that, like, gas is expensive right now, (laughs) but, like, post-World War II, like... They had to have been really fucking scared or really fucking concerned to send out four fucking planes. I don't know. A part of me thinks that, like, they're not in war anymore, so now they just want to play with their toys. Okay, yeah, that that's also you know? fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't get a fucking reason to ever fly out the plane. Exactly. Like, so, four P-51 Mustang planes are dispatched. 20 minutes later, they are flying 20,000 feet in the air. And the craft is still westbound. So almost immediately, one has to turn back due to low fuel. So mm-hmm. we're down to two or three planes. Okay. And so we hit 22.5 thousand feet in the air. And one turns back due to fear of altitude. And the other one turns back because there is a low oxygen warning in his cabin right. already. Exactly. So, so he's like, I'm not going to risk it. Exactly. But there's one more plane. Mm-hmm. And the pilot of this plane is Captain Thomas Mantell. He's a 25-year-old National Guard pilot, and he actually had been in the Air Force during World War II. Oh, damn. So he's like an experienced like, yeah. air combat veteran. Like... Yeah, he is a member of the 440th Troop Carrier Group, and he actually saw... D-Day! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He saw active combat on D-Day. So this dude... Damn. Has seen shit, and he's not, like, just some dude who's been twiddling his thumbs for so long that he's so eager to chase something random. Exactly, you yeah. Know? It's like, it's like he definitely would have the wherewithal and experience to make an actual judgment call about the situation and not just be, like, for shits and giggles out there chasing something. Bingo, exactly. Yeah. So, he keeps climbing, but once he hits 25,000 feet, he passes out due to altitude. And G's and all that stuff. Yes. Just... Damn. Exactly. At least he went out chasing um, an alien, I guess. Well, and the thing is, um, like, half these planes are equipped with supplemental oxygen. Right. His was not one, though. Uh, yeah. So he hits 25, or 25,000 feet, passes out due to altitude, and his plane goes down, and it lands five miles south of Franklin, Kentucky, which is 110 miles away. Wow. Yeah. And it was actually found that his wristwatch had stopped at the time of impact, so they knew exactly when he went down. Right. Um, and in his obituary and in the media, his death was blamed on an accident on his way home from training in Atlanta. Oh. Yeah. So there was definitely a bit of cover up. Yeah. So, okay. So there's two main theories for what people think was actually in the sky. Um, so at the time, Venus was actually like 
in an astronomical position that it was like in front of the sun. Right. So if the atmospheric conditions were just perfect, it could be seen during the day. I don't know, man. An experienced fighter pilot probably knows where Venus is. That's what I'm thinking. And not only, this isn't like one random dude. These are teams of trained military personnel. Right. Because you have, you know, your Air Force or your air traffic control folks on the ground. Mm -hmm. Everybody's military. You've got other military bases in Southern Ohio. I don't, like, this doesn't, this is not some, like, goofy like I see, so yeah, I see yeah, exactly. Yeah, this yeah. isn't some farmer who is seeing something while watering his crops. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, so the Venus theory was actually disproved um, in later years by Ohio State University researchers. They went back and researched the coordinates at mm-hmm. which the object was found. Um, okay. They looked at atmospheric conditions, and it just wouldn't have been possible, right? Um, there is one more theory for what happened, and this one gets a lot of credence, but like I. I don't know. Okay. Um, The theory is that it could be a weather balloon. A weather balloon. Yeah. So Project Blue Book revealed that the Skyhook weather balloon, which is a high altitude balloon Mm -hmm. that's used for atmospheric research. Um, So these were in development in 48 and because they wouldn't be public until 51. Right. So it's not something that he would have known about. Right. Because it was like, so it had been like an R&D for about a year at this point. So, like, yeah. it would make sense that they could have potentially had, like, some test launches of, like, some early prototypes and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know, man. I still maintain that an experienced, a team of experienced fighter pilots. From two states. From two states. Chased this thing. They said that it was way too fast to be any kind of, like, you know, of our They craft. got up to 180 miles per hour when chasing it. And it was still out running them so yeah. so to me uh weather balloons most of the time don't necessarily have anything like a jet propulsion system no, no. um their so... whole purpose is to <laughs> like gather atmospheric data they literally just so have a barometer in... and a camera attached to it and they yeah. send it into the sky so like so these things would need atmospheric conditions because that's their whole purpose is to yeah. observe them. The other thing I don't get is skyhooks weren't that big. No. There's no way it could have been seen as far west as Ohio or Owensboro and as far east as southern Ohio and everywhere in between. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And like, also the reason why weather balloons are important to data collection is because they kind of just like go straight up into a predictable portion of the atmosphere and like, granted still in research and development i'm sure they're working out some kinks but i don't necessarily think that they were so bad at their job in like you know the united states department of research and science that uh they made a weather balloon that was too big and too fast and whatever they let this probably billion dollar prototype out into the sky and they saw it head towards fucking owensboro i doubt that they would have been like huh well Let's let someone shoot it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this is Kentucky. Someone would have. Exactly. If they had a higher enough powered weapon. Yeah, but not only that, but, like, you know, whenever that they have, like, research and development planes, like, this is what people don't fucking talk about whenever they bring up, like, weather balloons and prototype testing. Whenever that they were testing, uh, like, one of the fighter jets uh, post-Freedom War. um, Freedom War? Iraq. Ah. Yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Freedom. You mean quote oil. unquote? Yeah. Oil war. Post oil <laughs> war. Um, we uh, we were testing some fighter jets and uh, like a air force base off. Uh, I think it was like 
California Air Force Base. They deployed, like, anti-aircraft. They literally were like, we think we're being invaded. We've never seen this fucking thing before. And the United States R&D Department of the military were like, hey, don't shoot that. It cost, like, $1.2 trillion dollars. So they will, they will call and stop the deployment of a fleet if they know it's going to cost them money. So like, to be like, oh, it's just a weather balloon and they just, the government just let us shoot at it with planes. Like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. They definitely value money over anything else. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And this was a very popular, like famous case because there was a death involved. Yeah. And and that's not very typical for UFO Yeah. It's usually abductions. And there were so many like official, like, you know the highway patrol was involved um several branches of the military because you've got you know air force you've got national guard you've got i don't remember what the one in southern ohio was but it's like multiple sources that are like credible yeah things that we would consider credible so i like i just i don't buy the half-hearted explanations yeah or the half-hearted cover-up of this man's death seriously he went down defending his country and it was not just some silly accident yeah like defending his world right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it just it doesn't sit right with me that they would do that man that way and uh i think that this is one of those prime examples where uh the government believes that we're stupid and we'll believe anything um so you know that's that is so what do you got to talk about today um so Mine definitely could not have been mistaken for a weather balloon, because uh, it was gigantic. Well, that's <laughs> um, good to know. Yeah. All right. Give us what you got, Olive. All right. So, January 6th, 1976, Mona Stanford, along with her friends Elaine Thomas and Louise Smith, um, they all pile up in the 67 Chevy uh, in their hometown of Liberty, and they head out towards Lancaster, which is about 35 miles away. Okay. Uh, so, plans... Uh, were to celebrate Mona Stanford's 36th birthday uh, by having dinner together at the Redwoods restaurant. Uh, They ate dinner, nothing weird, didn't have any drinks, um, so they were all sober. Um, At uh, 11.15, they leave to head back so that they'll be getting home at around like midnight, somewhere in there. Um, So whenever they get to Stanford, Kentucky, nine miles outside of Lancaster, they turn off Highway 27 onto Highway 78. Um, So they're heading towards like Houstonville and stuff like that. Um, Now, these particular highways. okay, so you get one of two kinds of highways in Kentucky. You get trees or fields. No in between. So I did a little bit of looking, a little bit of looking, a little bit of looking on uh, Google Maps, and this was definitely a fields highway, because uh, we'll get we'll get to why that's important in a minute. So just outside Stanford, a bright red object that Mona initially thought was like an airplane on fire, like crashing into the road, oh boy. Um, comes down from like the right side of the highway, and then stops in front of them. And it's, like, as big as two houses pushed together. Okay. And uh, so, like, it rocks back and forth and kind of spins for a second. And then it takes off towards, like, off the left side of the road. So, rightfully so, the three ladies freak out for a minute. And then they're like, okay, well, I guess it's just gone. So, they keep driving. And then about a quarter of a mile down the road, um, like huge fucking blue beam just into the back of the cab right so they're like oh shit 
It's a patrol car. Damn. And then they lose control of the vehicle. Oh my god. Yeah, so, like, it's not like losing control of the vehicle and, like, the wibbly-wobbly all over the roadway. Uh Um, Louise Smith, who was driving at the time, uh, took her hands off the wheel and took her foot off the accelerator, and the car kept fucking going, and it kept kept picking up speed. So, like, it got to the point to where it was going, like, 85 miles an hour down this highway. So if it was continually picking up speed, then it, it wouldn't be just, like, a stuck accelerator no a stuck accelerator will continue to pick up speed too. oh well okay. yeah um but was the accelerator stuck no okay yeah no no evidence of like mechanical malfunction whatsoever and uh mona from the front passenger seat actually does reach over to try to like help her gain control of the wheel and it will not turn with like both of these like yeah they're women but that's two grown adults trying to turn a steering wheel even if you have no fucking was this power before fluid. i was gonna say no, was they this? had power steering. Okay. Yeah. I've, like, had a car that was kind of, the power steering was kind of finicky. Yeah. And sometimes it would go out, and it, it sucked, but it's not. Yeah. It feels like you're trying like to turn concrete. Like, if I could concrete. do it alone, these two could have definitely done it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, like, she, like, tries to get it to change gear, anything, and, like, absolutely no mechanical response whatsoever. It just continues to accelerate. That's terrifying. Yeah. So then, um, the entire cab lights up and the dash lights up. Like, I'm talking every code you can throw, it throws a code. So it was just like the engine was completely stalled, just out. But their car keeps going. And at this point, the light is so intense that it starts to, like, burn their eyes what the fuck yeah so like their eyes are extremely fucking irritated and uh while they're literally barreling down this fucking highway with whatever this two house motherfucker behind them is um the road in front of them starts to light up almost like there's like you know like helicopter spotlights like search lights like almost like it's completely lit up with like four of them like yeah and all of them like white out not necessarily black out and they come to a few seconds later what feels like a few seconds later eight miles down the road and the car is still driving what the fuck yeah so uh in addition to being eight miles from where this initial encounter started um an hour and 20 minutes had elapsed yeah so like they were going 85 miles an hour and they were only eight miles away but an hour and 20 minutes had passed interesting right and everybody's eyeballs hurt so uh they do safely arrive at louisa smith's trailer at 125 in the morning uh which is almost an hour and a half late from their initial projected arrival time um so they're just missing an hour and a half exactly like all three of them cannot recall what happened within that hour (sighs) that's that's uncomfortable at bare minimum that's uncomfortable. like deeply yeah i was gonna say that's deeply concerning yeah and uh so all of them they get to this trailer they're just trying to fucking collect themselves um louise smith goes to like take her jewelry and stuff off mm-hmm. and realizes that her watch is running fast so like twice the speed of what it normally should be um and whenever she goes to like wash her face and hands like to touch water is physically uncomfortable like it burns all right look I think I might have a theory. Okay. I think that all of these side effects might... No, I haven't looked it up, so grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, have we looked into radiation? Radiation? Yeah, no, like radiation... Were they... 
like would explain like the touch sensitivity like the water sensitivity um it definitely has a were they breezed over with a geiger counter by chance no yeah okay yeah no, nothing like that it's but, giving radiation right high radiation vibes yeah um and then uh mona actually ended up getting like severe conjunctivitis 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 thank it's you so eye. much yeah it's just essentially an eye infection yeah. but like it was so severe to the point to where like she had to receive medical attention Ooh, and yes. um another interesting tidbit louise had like a pet parakeet that like ap- like she absolutely adored like it was like essentially like a stand-in for like children oh you know yeah um but she comes home and this poor bird is terrified of her like just absolutely horrified i'm talking like flapping around acting like there is an active predator in the house hmm. you know okay. what i mean you know birds they know they do and if it was we, radiation i think that kentucky knows you know canaries coal mines yep birds fucking know they do fucking know and uh that also would make sense with that radiation theory because like there's no birds in fuck the place with the meltdown chernobyl there's no birds in chernobyl there's no birds in chernobyl there's no birds in chernobyl i mean there Pria probably Pat? are now but priapat priapat that's the city that chernobyl happened in oh yeah yeah, yeah. priapat yeah. interesting mm-hmm. i didn't know that part um yeah birds are smart listen to them um <laughs> <laughs> So, over the course of the next several days, um, the Navy office actually, like, gives, like, some information about the case to, like, news media and stuff. So, like, it ends up in the papers. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Navy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't think that they would show their hand. Right. Like this. I, it's very interesting that it's the Navy and not some kind of, like, Air Force Base. National Guard. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Because, okay. like... I mean, the Navy has planes. Yeah. The Navy, the Navy does have planes, but, like, in they do. Stanford... I don't know, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, so, anyway, the story soon shows up in, like, newspapers, gets national media attention, and, um, like, it attracts a lot of investigators. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few specific ones. Um, Jerry Black of the Mutual UFO Network, which is just, like, a U.S.-based nonprofit. It's, like, civilian-ran, civilian volunteers. Uh, they just essentially, like, go and study UFO sightings. Okay. Um, J. Allen Hynek of CUFOs, which is just the central uh, center of UFO studies. Um, they're a privately funded uh, UFO research group. Um, but Hynek was actually the chair of the Department of Astronomy at uh, the Northwestern University of Illinois. So, so this dude knows what the fuck he's saying. Exactly. Like, okay. This is this is like definitely. He's not ta- talking out of his butt. Exactly. This is right. not somebody who has a camera and likes to go look at lights. Um, <laughs> this is like somebody who would be able to identify like astronomical very highly trained right exactly okay and then um the next set of investigators was jim and coral lorenzen okay um they worked for the aerial phenomenon research organization which is also another nonprofit. so um all of these investigators um essentially drive out to kentucky after hearing about this and they conduct like their own individual investigations but what's interesting across all of these individual uh, investigations like they have a pretty consistent report of a ton of other individual like reported sightings uh of ufos in the surrounding counties like casey county lincoln county and like this was on the same night as the abduction in stanford 
Damn. Yeah. So, like... Definitely not an isolated incident. Right. Not an isolated sighting. And, like, that's what's, like... To me, the most compelling is that, like, upon an external investigation uh, that involved multiple different research organizations, they all find interviews with people who saw a similar UFO in surrounding counties. That, to me, just, like, the odds... Yeah. I agree. I'm just saying. Stacked in aliens' favors. Um, So... uh, Bet on the aliens. Not on the house. Right. A little while... uh, A little while after uh, those initial investigations, uh, Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle of the University of Wyoming, which... Bless. Bless Dr. Sprinkle. I wish my name was Dr. Sprinkle. Is that his real name? That's the real name, yes. Shut up. Yeah, it's a real name. That's awesome. (laughs) I love it. What? Uh, but uh, Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle of the University of Wyoming uh, flies in on March 7th, 1976, and uh, he performs a preliminary hypnotic regression of their memories. Okay. Essentially, hypnotic regression is, it used to be really popular in, like, trauma therapies to uh, essentially, like, pull blocked memories out of, like, you know, your brain. Okay. Uh, So, like, he would put them in a hypnotic trance-like state and then, like, walk them through, like, the known uh, events proceeding up to the abduction and then would kind of, like, coach them and coax them through, like, the intense emotions and stuff of mentally reliving the situation so that they can, like, give a coherent uh, recounting of what it actually was. I see. Yeah, so uh, he does that initial, like, session with them in March because it, it, like, it takes course over, like, uh, over a few sessions. And uh, he also pulls in, in July of 1976, uh, Lexington-based detective uh, James Young, who was affiliated with uh, Lex PD. Um, he gives them lie detector tests and they all pass. Interesting. Well, yeah. And uh, the next and following days, uh, Dr. Sprinkle continues with uh, the hypnotic regression. um, And he does it, like, individually with each person, like, with each woman involved, right? So it's not like they're all three in a room or anything like that. And across all of the individual sessions, their story was pretty much, like, the same across the board. They had consistent details. um, And, uh, like, they had just enough like waverance in their response and recounting of the storytelling where like it was uh attributed to like human error so like it was like even down to like the science of psychology they were telling the truth you know what i mean yeah like it was it was like the, because the stories weren't account, coached yeah, yeah yeah they were pulling from like their own memory exactly and yeah. not a story they concocted exactly okay right and uh because like you will see like small waverances in like different accounts between different people well, just people because... all have different perspectives yeah yeah no it makes sense yeah but uh the important bits were exactly the same though like they they never necessarily said like these aliens poked and prodded at us but uh like essentially they were brought into the craft and uh they were uh like quote-unquote medically examined and experimented on um yeah so like they uh like had these reports of like you know these shadow shadowy individual like dark figures um like you know physically examining their bodies and stuff like that Interesting. but uh what i honestly thought was the weirdest part is that all three of them have the same red burn mark on the back of their neck really yeah so like in addition to like the physical symptoms with like their eyes and skin and everything they have like a extremely similar injury to the back of their neck 
and all right look these bitches were chipped these bitches were chipped yes i agree they definitely they were chipped something like maybe they took some cerebral cerebrospinal fluid maybe yeah to study something something was done yeah that's so interesting and it's also and like what an interesting placement too yeah because like with the back of your neck well i figure if you put yourself in the position of like if we were to go to like an alien planet and like abduct like you know one of their members of their civilizations the first thing we're gonna do is poke inside their brain true yeah like that's exactly what we're gonna do like and that just kind of shows understanding of like where the brainstem is right which is kind of scary yeah and like from the like descriptions and accounts of what these uh like individuals potentially looked like um you know maybe their understanding of basic anatomy is similar to ours in the sense of like okay like you guys got some kind of eyeball situation on your front head so, i've always wondered about that you know like, haven't you yeah i've always wondered like okay so i would as we were preparing for this case i thought back to sixth grade mm-hmm. when we were covering like our science unit and my science teacher was a huge nerd right so for one of our like fun days we um watched war of the worlds Mm -hmm. or that was like the og that was like ufo movie right exactly yeah okay and wasn't it originally a radio broadcast people thought it was whatever yeah yeah it's it's written by hg wells and like whenever like they read it over the uh read it over the airways like everybody was like fuck we're being invaded (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly well we did that, and then she had us do an activity where we had to, like, design our own aliens. And I was one of, like, I decided to go for this, like, elongated body shape. Uh-huh. And most people just did, like, you know, humanoid figures. Yeah. And so I, th- I thought about that last night, and it was just really interesting to consider, like, what if aliens do have, like, similar humanoid forms. Right. Like, bodies. And if that is the case, what does that say about the general trend of humanity right. or the general trend of life and biology see okay i got a little bit deep into the alien rabbit hole and this is what i have to say about it so if we are to assume that like you know aliens are bipedal what that tells us is that like whatever it is about being bipedal and being able to stand up like evolutionarily that gives you like a benefit as far as like being able to like see hunt and you know maintain those like stasis needs um but like i just think it's kind of weird that we're the only thing on this fucking planet that looks like us valid point and like we look very divergent from from any other like mammals any other like even our closest sapien relatives and like i'm not saying that evolution isn't real i'm just saying that maybe we're somebody's petri dish experiment and we don't know it i think that that feeds into like simulation theory yeah but if i start thinking about simulation theory i get stressed i get really existential yeah yeah and i'm just even more reasons to burn things to the ground because we live in a made-up world with made-up rules and made-up societal structures I believe the TLDR for that is YOLO. YOLO. We also have another report that we kind of just wanted to throw in because it's fucking hilarious and also, like, somehow so predictable. Right. Like, I just, like, whenever we started looking into, like, Kentucky occurrences of UFOs and I found this little story, I was like, this is exactly what I thought I would be reading. 
Okay, so February 27th, 1993, uh, Louisville PD had a couple of officers, uh, like, out in patrol, and they saw, uh, like, this glowing pear-shaped, like, basketball-sized object. Right. Uh, like, flying around in the sky, and, like, they kind of, like, they're in their little helicopter to get up there to investigate, and it starts running circles around them. Oh my god. Yeah, so, like, it's, like, it's flying around their helicopter, all this good stuff, and, um, they, uh, were moving at, like, recorded speeds of, like, 100 miles an hour. Um, so, it's spinning around them, and they're moving at 100 miles an hour, and then, all of a sudden, it breaks off from the helicopter and banks off, and then shoots, like, fireballs at the helicopter. Yeah, like, three fireballs. Yeah, apparently the size of baseballs, um, at the helicopter, I'm so. glad that we're doing sports balls. Yes, sports ball. But uh, they fired these fireballs at the helicopter, and of course, like they get into like this quote unquote dogfight. Right. Um. So there's a quote unquote shootout with a helicopter and a potential UFO. Um. And whenever like uh, Louisville PD was uh you know questioned like, do, are these two officers officers who would you know potentially shoot at random things in the sky? Um. The uh chief head uh police was just like no these are two like actual really solid dudes like uh never had any real issues out of them but uh everybody in louisville pretty much believed that like this was just like a fucking weather balloon and you know they're just out here firing into the sky um which definitely sounds like something that we would do so absolutely without a doubt there was a jefferson county man who tried to recreate this object and so he basically made like this homemade balloon that was like six candles and a trash bag and then this like contraption device thing um and it was like made from thin little sticks of balsa wood attached to 12 birthday candles um with a plastic bag over it um and so he got this thing flying and up in the air and his he has a hypothesis even for the fireballs Uh he thinks that it's some of the plastic melting like catching fire melting and dripping down Okay. And this dude, Scott Haycock, says that he believes in UFOs, but that he just thinks that... That this particular instance was not a UFO. LMPD got in a helicopter and shot at a plastic bag and some candles. That checks out to me. It really, like, I don't know that I can believe this one. Because there is, like, a solid, you know, they did a Mythbusters. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, and, like, uh... It's, it's just, like I said, this is just definitely something I thought I would be reading when I was researching, like, Kentucky UFOs, because, like, the first thing that we fucking do, no matter what the situation is, we pull out our guns, shoot it! (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that's all we got today, right? Yep, I do believe so. Alright, y'all stay safe, and And y'all, lock your your fucking fucking doors. doors.